What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL, your podcast. It's the weekly wrap up for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is episode 42. I got the numbers jumbled a little bit, but I'm pretty sure from what I can tell, this is episode 42. Brian Tong, your host with the most talking shop with you all. Thank you for so much for continuing to be a part of this show and supporting it. You can support it at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. We'll talk about that later. But the biggest thing is to call in to be a part of this show at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. The year is wrapping up. I just love to hear kind of some of your thoughts of what you want Apple to do, where you want to see them go. And if you also have reactions to some of the stories that are happening, I know it tends to be slower right now from a product standpoint. We got your back. So that's what we're here for. So let's just dive right into the show and start off with kind of the latest that is surrounding Apple. Now, earlier this week, reports from both CNBC and Reuters said that the Fuxiao Intermediate People's Court in China has granted Qualcomm an import ban on the iPhone 6S through the iPhone 10 in China because they found that those specific devices violated two Qualcomm patents. Now, this could result or could have resulted in those iPhone models being unavailable to purchase. Now, Apple responded earlier in the week, those phones are still available to purchase, but this ban, if eventually rolled out, like at the moment, yeah, you can still buy them on the shelves, but this ban, if rolled out, could potentially ban the iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, iPhone 7, 7 Plus, 8, 8 Plus, and 10. So Apple's like, uh, that's kind of a big deal. We know that Apple's iPhone sales are honestly hurting right now. They're not doing very well. Also, China itself makes up about 18 to 20% of the actual revenue from Apple's iPhones. So then... Just today, that is December the 13th, as of the recording of this show, Apple then, in an in-court filing related to this ongoing dispute, right? they warned that upholding this ban and actually rolling it through would cause what they say truly irreparable harm to Apple, other companies, and consumers if Apple is actually forced to withdraw its devices from the market. It hasn't happened. And this is a report following up to kind of that initial ruling from Bloomberg. In their report, the ban would cost Apple millions of dollars a day and affect both the Chinese government and consumers. The company also added that it has created 5 million jobs in China across the supply chain and with third-party software developers. They, Apple warned the government may suffer hundreds of thousands of tax losses from the iPhone ban in China because of these lost taxes from sales of the devices. And they also cited, hey, uh, remember in 2017, we sold 50 million devices. So if this ban is actually going to happen, Apple says it would force them to settle with Qualcomm. And yes, why do you think Qualcomm is doing this? We know there has been a back and forth beef between Qualcomm and Apple, not even related to this patent violation, but actually related to chip-related licensing fees that have been going back and forth. They have their own beef. We've kind of talked about it over the past three or four months behind the scenes, which led to Apple looking to Intel for their modems and not going with Qualcomm because of this chip licensing fee beef that continues to go back and forth. Now, this specific case that is causing the ban 
of the iPhones from the 6S all the way to the 10, it relates to specific patents. One of them that covers allowing users to adjust and reformat the size and appearance of photos. And another one, which is related to managing applications using a touchscreen when viewing and navigating the apps. Now, the interesting thing about this though, Apple has argued the ban does not apply to devices running iOS 12. So that's why it's continued sales for the time being. According to Apple, they have changed how the functionality of the phone works in iOS 12. So it no longer violates those patents. So guess what now, right? This is like a back and forth battle. Apple's saying, okay, well, you know what? To alleviate this and fix this, so you cannot ban our phones 6S, 6S+, 7, 7 Plus, 8, 8 Plus, and 10, Apple's pushing a software update to iPhone users in China early next week to address the patent-related issues. This is according to Reuters. But Qualcomm's like, you know what? Qualcomm is the honey badger of tech right now. Qualcomm's like, okay, you want to do that? We're going to file for an injunction on the iPhone XS, XS Max, and the iPhone XR in China, which would then again kind of start this whole process of theoretically preventing the sales of those devices in the country. Qualcomm's not going to stop, can't stop, won't stop. Apple's like, um, hey, China, if you let this happen, you're going to lose money. So Apple's using kind of that angle. Look at all the jobs we provided for you. Like, don't let this happen. If it is really an issue that is completely resolved by iOS 12, I think this becomes a moot point. It hasn't been actually vetted to say, okay, iOS 12 absolutely fixes that. That's what Apple is saying. It no longer violates the patents in that way. But again, this is a long-running history that goes way before these patents of Apple and Qualcomm having beef over chip-related license fees. Fun news, right? That's what's exciting. When there is no news, <laughs> sometimes this is kind of, I don't know, I think it is kind of interesting just because it's like this back and forth pissing match between the two of them. It's, it's a little, it's drama for your mama. All right, we want to talk about the future what is coming down the line? Really cool stuff. Intel this week finally unveiled the next generation of what they're calling their Sunny Cove processors and graphics that will be able to work with the 2019 Macs. So we're talking about the MacBook, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, iMac, iMac Pro, Next Gen Mac Pro, and Mac Mini. The Sunny Cove microarchitecture, these are going to be built on a 10 nanometer process and will be the foundation and, biz and basis for Intel's next generation core and Xeon processors. The other thing that they're also doing here is they unveiled their new Gen 11 integrated graphics. So that's going to give you double the performance from its Gen 9. Um, again, they didn't really do a spec for spec comparison of how much this makes a difference from Gen 11 to Gen 10. But at least their new Gen 11 graphics will support 4K video streams and 8K content creation and feature Intel's adaptive sync technology for smoother gaming. Ultimately, faster processors for machines coming in 2019. And logically, you would think, yeah, these are gonna be going into Macs. And I absolutely think they'll be going into Macs. But the other, the other kind of elephant in the room is the fact that we know that Apple is looking to build their own ARM-based processor architecture for Macs. It's not going to happen over, overnight. 
It's going to be a gradual rollout, but an ARM-based Mac, whether it's an A12X or let's call it the A13X or whatever they call it, right? They're going to bring it to the Mac. We already know Apple was bragging and boasting how much the new iPad Pro A12X processor rivals pretty much up to something around 85 to 90% of actual desktop PCs. It's power itself. So they're ready to actually put that processor in a Mac. Let's start something easy like the entry-level MacBook. It could do it. So we're going to get there. So it makes me wonder, okay, well, Intel has their Sunny Cove processor family that will be coming. How long will Apple actually be supporting Intel processors? Will do you guys think Intel is going to be out of the game with Apple in the next three years, next four years, or could it happen even faster? It's going to be a gradual rollout, but man, it, it wouldn't be surprising if Apple says goodbye to Intel in the next five years or so. I wouldn't be surprised at all. In other future down the road things coming to Apple products, iPhones could have a Apple designed cellular modem, but it doesn't look like even if they were close, it could be possibly coming until 2021. This is according to a report by the information. We had already heard several reports of Apple trying to recruit talent in San Diego for building phone components, specifically in modems. And why is Qualcomm important? Qualcomm in San Diego, that is their headquarters. That is where the brain trust of Qualcomm is. And so obviously it makes sense for Apple to try and poach Qualcomm talent to work on a modem for their phone. When, like I said earlier, Apple is no longer including Qualcomm modems in their phone and going towards Intel modems because of this disagreement over chip licensing fees from a while ago. We've got this web. I hope I've been making sense of it all. It makes sense to me in my head. But anyways, Apple potentially working on their own design cellular modems, continuing to do more and expanding, building their own chips so they can control the supply chain. They have more accurate timelines of when those chips will be ready for their products. And quite honestly, even though we won't see it, it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, we'll be able to, it'll help us because maybe Apple won't announce products that still don't come out a year, year and a half later from when they announce them. Hmm, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be special. All right, let's take a break to thank the sponsors of the show. And that is you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone. Patreon supporters that really have allowed me to build this foundation and continue to try and grow it. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support the show starting at $2 per month. That's basically 50 cents per episode. If you think that all the value I've given you, not only with the audio podcast, the videos that I'm putting out, $5 a month, that's basically a cup of coffee. We have the $10 level, $25, and the platinum $100 level per month. I just want to say thank you so much for allowing us to do this, allowing me to do this, and I will keep busting my butt off for you. But patreon.com is the way to support the show. Thank you to everyone. Check it out, and I'd love for you to continue to help keep this train rolling. We still, still trying to get to that goal to make this a permanent thing for eternity, but we're getting there. All right, let's jump right back in the show and we want to kind of remember those iPhone battery cases. One of the ugliest things I've ever seen from Apple, that big old nasty bulge from that rubberized case. Well, Apple is expected to release iPhone 10s battery cases pretty soon and possibly battery case 
with the big booty for the 10s Max and the 10R versions. Found in code of iOS by 9to5Max Gilherm Rambo, he uncovered references to three model identifiers for the case, including A2070, A2071, A2171, which indicates and suggests that Apple could release the battery case in three different sizes, um, 10S, 10S Max, and 10R, pointing towards a potential 2018 release, but because 2018 is pretty much wrapped up, I don't, look, if Apple drops any new products in 2018, it should be the Air Power Mat, but that thing, right now, honestly, it doesn't exist now. I, I really feel, I don't think Apple will ever address it but this could be a thing that we don't even see. I don't know. We may not even see it next year. Who knows? It was supposed to come out by the end of this year. Nowhere in sight. Completely taken off the website. You type in air power on Apple's website, it doesn't exist. It's like a go. It's like it never existed. All right. So I don't know how many of you all even jumped on the smart battery case bandwagon. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't care. But it was so fugly. It was gross. Yuck. Also, an Apple new subscription service could launch as early as spring 2019. Earlier this year, uh, the Big A acquired the digital magazine subscription service Texture, and then they said, you know what, we're going to be rolling it into Apple News. And so obviously the thinking is that Apple will eventually have plans to offer this texture-based subscription news service with unlimited access to the newspapers and magazines that are part of it for a monthly price. Well, now they Bloomberg reports that this service could be introduced as early as 2019. You you could almost call it the Apple News subscription service, which is separate from the news app, which I use all the time. Apple is said to have also held major talks with newspapers such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post about joining the service. Who knows if they would have their own subscription fee. But before the acquisition, Texture offered unlimited access to roughly 200 digital magazines for $9.99 per month. We're talking about Vogue, Rolling Stone, National Geographic, GQ, Sports Illustrated, Wired. I mean, these are the big boys, right? ESPN the Magazine, Entertainment Weekly. So this would be a great value add. And as we've seen, Apple really needs to get into the services business because not only have they made it a priority, but their hardware is starting to plateau. It's starting to kind of drop a little. They're still the big game in town, but just because of that doesn't mean they're immune to market dynamics and product maturity and things changing. Everyone complains. Apple doesn't innovate anymore. They innovate. It's just not in these big, huge, revolutionary jumps we've seen. And I don't know. They're, the iPhone upgrade cycle this year, according to reports, and Apple will not put out numbers anymore, looks lackluster. So they need to jump on this. We'll see how so we'll see when it drops, but according to the report, sometime in 2019, as early as spring 2019, Apple News, this subscription service based on magazine newspapers, will be coming out. And I, I'm actually excited to see that. I don't know if I'll do it, but it could be pretty cool. I talked about how things aren't selling as hot. We've already heard plenty of news of how the HomePod, I know, the HomePod uh just just never really was able to do it. I'm not hating on people who have the HomePod. For the record, I do have a HomePod that I purchased as a refurb for $200 before Black Friday. 
just so I could follow along with the software updates. Sounds great. That's all it does <laughs> for me. I'm not, I know people get mad when I talk smack about the HomePod because yeah, you'd be mad if someone was talking smack about a speaker you paid $349 with, but let's be real. It's not that great. So what is Apple doing? As of today, customers in the UK have received actual Apple music subscribers. They've received codes for 50 off a new HomePod. 50 pounds off a HomePod. I'm just saying, you know it's bad when an Apple music subscriber should be the loyalist Apple user, the hardcore fan that would immediately buy a HomePod without needing a discount because they're totally locked in the ecosystem and Apple is trying to appeal to them to buy a HomePod with a discount. Less than, what, has it been about eight, nine months since the HomePod came out? That's just not a good sign, man. That's, that's, that's just bad. That's just scary. All right, I do want to show love and and we we I guess we have to kind of say goodbye to a few friends in this episode. Epic Games has removed Infinity Blade Trilogy from the App Store. Do you guys all remember that game? It was kind of like the one of the initial first like slash 'em touchscreen games. You had like these monsters, you had like swiping and hitting and it was like in these these epic graphics at the time. Oh, swipe, swipe, hit, hack. Yeah, Infinity Blade. They had like Infinity Blade, then they had Infinity Blade 2, and then they had Infinity Blade 3. And I don't know what Epic Epic Games, right, the home of Fortnite, but Epic had, before Fortnite was even out, they had major love from Apple because they got in the three keynotes with pretty much the same exact game with just a number after it. Anyways, Infinity Blade will no longer be supported. If you have purchased it and you have purchased the trilogy, you'll still be able to at least download it. But as of, I believe they said May, they will no longer, May of 2019, somewhere around there, they will no longer be supporting the game. All right? Rip. Infinity Blade. Man, that was a classic. That was like an, uh, a constant joke at every Apple keynote. Oh, I bet you Infinity Blade's coming. And it basically did. Also, Apple is announcing that they are shutting down Apple Music Connect. Did any of you even use Apple Music Connect? So this was like their successor to Ping because Apple tried to make add like social networking features into iTunes that was ping. They're like, oh yeah, social networking is hot. Let's do it. No one used ping. Then they put Apple Music Connect to allow artists to basically post pictures or videos to their list to you know to their audience through iTunes or through Apple Music Connect. Except I remember when it launched, when you looked at all like the key hot artists that you were following, I think like maybe two of them just put out a photo because it's like, yeah, you need to hire someone to do that, and no one is looking. No one was looking at Apple Music Connect. It is going goodbye. In a letter shared with artists, Apple said they will no longer be able to post to Connect as of today with the feature now removed from artist pages and the For You tab in Apple Music because no one clicked on it. Nobody. I don't know. Maybe it comes back, but for now... 
It's over. It's over. And in just like the irony of talking smack to your competitors all the time and how a lot of times you end up with egg on your face, Samsung this week introduced their latest smartphone. It's the Galaxy A8. A lot of cool things. It's using their cool new Infinity O display. So it has an edge-to-edge screen, but instead of any kind of notch, it has like punch hole in the corner on the front of the screen for the front-facing camera, which I would take any day any day over a notch it looks great but but one thing guys and gals in the galaxy a8 they removed the headphone jack and why does that matter well they've been teasing apple forever right in keynotes they're like oh want to know what else our phone comes with an audio jack you know, they, they've had a bunch of ads. They had like that infamous dongle ad. It's pretty funny. That was just pointing fingers and making fun of Apple again. So Samsung can no longer, no longer pretend like they're all the high and mighty, right? Because because now they have a phone without a headphone jack. <laughs> that's That's for all the Apple users that hated Samsung for doing it. They, we know you guys hated them for doing that. <laughs> In your face, Samsung. In your face. All right, it's time to get to your calls. Remember, be a part of the show. I love hearing from y'all. 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Your name, where you're from, and get to it. Let's start off with... Uh, our friend who wants to talk a little bit about Apple TV. Hey, Brian. This is Ryan from Burlington, Vermont. I'm calling because uh, I haven't heard a lot of talk about um, some of the TV, Apple TV stuff that Apple's doing right now. And I had an interesting thought about that. I think, you know, with the new TV service that got coming out on the next year or two, um, I was I heard somewhere, I don't know where it was, but I heard that they might be putting it out for free um, if you have Apple devices, it might be like a free service that you can get. But I thought it'd be interesting, considering what they're talking about with the new iPads, about the power um, and comparing it to the Xbox, um, the lower-powered Xboxes. I think it'd be interesting if they did an all-in-one Apple TV um, and gaming system device that could control all your smart home devices and all of your, um, you know, your speakers and everything. Um, And then you could, you know, project it onto a 4K screen. So I think... You know, basically, I just really think with their processing power, um, they're getting their processors that they could really do this and maybe put something out for like 600, 700, 800 bucks in that range. Um, And uh, I think that would be really successful for them. So I know I want to know your thoughts about that and uh, see what other people might think about it, too. So thanks. Ryan, that's a great call. And for people that are listening that would love to chime in their thoughts, we'd love to hear, too. I think, look, what you outlined was exactly what SJ and Apple envisioned a long time ago because they were trying to, there were plenty of reports of them trying to make the Apple TV the center of your home entertainment. But yet there's a few things that happen, right? First of all, Apple could not get developers to develop games on the Apple TV. And they're the ones that shot them in their in their own foot, themselves in their own foot, because... When they launched the new Apple TV right before the 4K version, one of the requirements they had was that 
although it had the processing power to start getting better with games, they required developers to make their games compatible with that remote. Well, the remote is not a gaming pad. The remote itself is very rudimentary. Yeah, it has motion tracking and like a few physical buttons, but instantly making that a requirement for any game to run in an Apple TV, that just squashed any hopes of AAA titles. You know, let's say a Spider-Man, a God of War, a Red Dead Redemption, those type of games that we wish we could see It stopped that from ever happening. And developers themselves who are already worrying about consoles like PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, there there was no audience that was craving. There wasn't a large enough audience that had kind of amassed on the Apple TV to get those gaming, those gaming customers there. Apple has always had a problem with gaming, right? The PC market has been where people go. You build your PC. You play the highest end games there. Apple's always looking at them like, oh, we wish we had that. They have a little bit of it, but not not everything. Then we have, so you have that factor that was completely squashed, right? So gaming, eh, not gonna happen. But could it have? Absolutely. TV service could have happened. We talked about it before. Apple's hubris kind of shot that down where the deals that they wanted to make, they were like trying to tell the content providers and the networks what their terms were. The other providers like, hey, we can go to YouTube TV. We can go to Sling TV. We can go to PS View. We can go to DirecTV streaming. We don't need you, Apple. So Apple's TV service never came to be. So what they're left with is, quite honestly, a box that is specifically for their ecosystem. Thank goodness I'm in the Apple ecosystem. That's why I still at least have love for the Apple TV, specifically because from a technical standpoint, it's the only streaming set-top box that can handle Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. And if you're a crazy home theater video file like I am, that is important and I love it. And I'll still watch the disc-based version over anything streaming, but the fact that it has that is a huge big deal for home theater enthusiasts. So could they release a box that does everything you want? Be the center of the smart home. Yes, but guess what? Where they're also lacking? They're lacking in the smart home too, right? They, Apple HomeKit, is only compatible with roughly, as of the last time I checked, about 500 plus smart home devices, right? They sign on to license to work with Apple HomeKit. Amazon Echo Platform, 12,000 plus smart home devices. Google Home Assistant, 5,000 plus smart home devices. Not only are they not compatible, we already know Amazon, I don't want to say the magic keyword, Amazon and Google's home platforms are significantly better. Their virtual assistants are smarter, more accurate, more intelligent. They're just better than Siri. So all these things that you talk about, trust me, we know Apple wanted it to happen, but those three key pillars, gaming, TV streaming, and smart home, that should have been what the Apple TV could have been, even if they had, even if those three kind of, let's call them, those three tent poles right there. If Apple had a good enough quality version of them to throw them onto their Apple TV today, it would still be pretty good, but they don't. And so that's what's hurting the most. Your vision is what they envisioned, but it just never happened. Hopefully I didn't go too long on that. I don't know what you guys all think about the Apple TV. It's still a it's still a good product, but it could have been so much 
better and so much more. And it is a sign of the times of when they were just juggling so many things, Apple Watch, iPads, iPhones, multiple versions of iPhones, MacBook, iMac, Mac Pro, oh, we don't care about you right now, and we don't know what to do with you. Apple TV, uh, people will buy it because they're Apple ecosystem loyalists. The Apple TV suffered because of that. It didn't get enough love, and all those other kind of platforms and pieces of the puzzles just never developed. Again, love to hear what y'all think, 833-888-ABXL. Next up, a gentleman didn't give his name, but he wants to talk about USB. Hey, Brian. How's it going? I love your show and just keep up the good work. And a few weeks ago, maybe last week, you're talking about the USB-C and um, how Apple might be switching to them for um, iOS devices and how this might cause trouble in the dongle club. But Microsoft and Android have not always had the easiest time as none of their phones have really ever been super consistent on micro USB, nano USB, and all those things too. So that's just something to remember that USB has not always been consistent. Um, I think Apple has been fairly consistent with uh, the 30 pin and then the USB lightning cable and now hopefully the USB-C. Yeah, just something to think about. What are your thoughts, man? Bye. Man, you know what? I love this call because it was a reminder to me of like, yeah, sometimes the transition isn't that easy, and I know it's not. It's as a user, it can be annoying. So, do I am I expecting everything to be like a peachy keen, clean, smooth transition? No, I know it takes time. It's going to get there. But when you're stuck in that space for about a year to a year and a half, where all of your devices use different types of connectors or connections, or you have to have different dongles for different things, or you have to buy three additional cables, for example, someone like me, a USB-C Apple Watch uh, dongle, a USB-C to USB-C cable, and a USB-C to Lightning cable, just so that you can use one specific power charger for all three devices. It's kind of a pain in the butt. So I only complain about it because I'm in that window of time where you have to deal with this, and everyone feels that pain. Once that window passes, then it's fine. And there are so many plenty of benefits to USB-C that it is the future and it should be on iPhones in the future. It will get there. It's just that it's a pain in the butt right now. All right. And then we have a follow-up call. Uh, My man, Dougie, wanted to make a clarification. Yo, Brian, this is Dougie from Jersey again. Listen, man, you don't have to put this on the show. I just wanted to call and clarify that I know your name isn't Bill. I didn't call you Bill, brother. I called you Bilf, as in MILF. I was the guy who commented on your uh, YouTube channel a little while ago when you did a skit and you uh, had a wig on, and I said Bilf, and you laughed at it. So I was just making, making a connection there. I wasn't calling you Bill. I know your name's Brian. All right, man, keep up the good work. Just wanted to clarify. Take care. See ya. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I I supposed to think that being called a BILF is better? And I didn't believe it. I was like, yeah, right, he's just trying to cover it up. So I went back to find the original voicemail. I'm just going to use the last part of his call from last week to let you and I both hear what did Dougie actually say. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for all your hard work, brother. I'm going to go get myself to Patreon and make, uh, make a donation to keep you running up there, brother. Talk to you soon. Later, Bill. Oh, my God. Dougie actually said Bilf. 
I think this is the first time I've actually been called a bilf, which is for those of you who don't know, milf is mother. I'd like to, and bilf is presumably Brian. I'd like to, and yeah, I did just get dressed up as my mom, which is probably the first mistake. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll let you I'll let you all you know what if you always want to chime in on this eight three three triple eight two two nine five what do you prefer, Bill or Bilf? <laughs> Dougie, I got nothing but love for you. I'm just messing around with you, buddy. Bruddy, I call him Bruddy, like bro and buddy. Bruddy. All right, that's going to do it for this show, but we always have to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. You can support this show at patreon.com to keep this going for me. Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frater, and Jarrett Lewis, the Platinum Apple sponsors at the $100 per month level. My goodness, thank you so much. And for everyone else that's listening, if you can like the show on iTunes, tell a friend about it, share it, I'm going to keep on bringing it for you. We have some cool special guests coming up during the holiday season, kind of during the break, um, just because not as much news happens. But we wanted to keep on bringing you the content you deserve and uh, that you guys and gals are all supporting me. So thank you so much again. Take care. We'll be back next week. Be safe. Show love to everyone this holidays. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.